Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. These podcasts are like articles you would read in a magazine. In those times, writers were paid by the magazine. Readers would pay a small amount to read on topics they were interested in. Now, you can get content easily, but people who create it do not get any compensation unless those who like it contribute. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. In today's episode, I'll be covering something that should be considered regarding how you practice Aikido. That is, the level of intricacy and complexity of some techniques. Aikido techniques we have all been taught run a wide range, from simple and direct to extremely complicated. The more complicated a technique is, the more there is to go wrong with it and the easier it is to have it fail. I enjoy training more complicated techniques a great deal, but I think it's very important to keep perspective of whether or not such techniques would be practical or successful in real-world application. I'm not necessarily referring to an extremely high-intensity attack, but any situation which an attacker keeps moving and adjusting as you move. There are two major factors involved, and this is the first one I'll cover. If you look around at traditional martial arts, and even self-defense instruction, you will notice how common it is to have demonstrations where would-be attackers show a particular attack and then stop while the practitioner then demonstrates his technique. As he does, the attacker really doesn't do anything more except for go for a ride or get hit repeatedly. While this type of demonstration is common and useful to introduce new people to technique because it removes a great deal of the confusion of combat, it's not a good long-term practice. It's fun to manipulate and throw around people who offer no counter-movement. In fact, it's a blast to do this. Having fun really isn't the main focus of martial arts training. The main goal is to build practical skill. I find this is fun, but some people do not. I always wonder how fun it would be to have your technique fail you when your safety relies on it. In my mind, that would not be fun at all. What I've noticed from just about every martial art that I've ever run across is that long-term practitioners tend to get bored with practicing simple and direct techniques. They tend to replace them with ones which are more convoluted, perhaps because they look more interesting or dramatic, or that they feel that it shows greater skill to be able to perform these more complex techniques, and thus is more impressive. A lot of martial artists tend to pursue the ooh and ah factor and enjoy making a good show of it. One thing these demonstrations often need are attackers who are trained to respond correctly. It always makes me chuckle to myself when I see an instructor use a demonstration partner he hasn't trained up and he decides to pull one of these complicated techniques. It never goes the way the instructor wants and usually fails. Maybe it's just me, but whenever I see that, I know that what is shown is novelty not a practical technique that I would want to rely on. Maybe this is due to my approach to martial arts. I'm far more interested in practical and reliable techniques which have a high percentage of success than trick techniques which look visually appealing but have a high risk of failure. You can see parlor trick martial arts all over the place, and especially in the online world. People have gotten used to seeing dramatics on their screens. They believe John Wick type martial arts are the ultimate in badassery. While this stuff is great eye candy, the fact is that it is absolutely not what you want to try and pull off in a real fight or assault. Even if you knew how to do that stuff, chances are you would be unable to. 
A major problem here is the effects of adrenaline and fear, which is the second major factor involved. We must understand the profound effects anxiety and adrenaline have on the mind and body. They can be severe. I'll go through the symptoms and show how bad it can be. When your brain is under stress, it prepares the body for catastrophic injury. To help save your life from a potential injury, your brain starts drawing as much blood to the core of your body as it can, to the torso. The idea being that if a limb sustains damage, you will have less chance of bleeding out in a short amount of time. Pretty good as a survival mechanism. There's a price to pay for this, though. Blood loss in the extremities means you lose your sense of touch and fine motor control. From an Aikido perspective, these are very important factors which make joint locks and throws work smoothly. Without them, techniques will be overpowered and rough, something we train hard to avoid. Your body can make it impossible to be light and smooth. The most problematic byproducts of the blood loss in the extremities come from the fact that the head is one of the extremities that the body takes blood from. There are many effects of this. In addition to losing the sense of touch, the other senses shutting down, taste, smell, hearing, and peripheral vision. You really don't need a sense of taste and smell in a fight, but hearing and peripheral vision are very useful. How bad can these be? In the first stages, which most people have probably experienced even in the heated argument, are when you get agitated enough to stop hearing exactly what people are saying. In more severe cases, hearing can shut off entirely. I learned from a retired police officer years ago of his experience. He was involved in a shooting exchange and went to return fire. He said that he pulled the trigger and the gun didn't fire. Figuring it was a problem with the round in the cylinder, he was carrying a revolver, he kept pulling the trigger in an attempt to get the pistol to fire. He kept pulling and he heard no report nor noticed any muzzle flash. He thought the gun was just clicking in his hand. Turns out after the fact that he did fire all six rounds from his pistol, but his senses were so altered that he didn't notice. He told me it was the strangest thing that despite having no hearing protection, his ears were not ringing after the incident at all. I'll add that he was also a national champion target shooter and was quite used to firing his pistol. He was using either a 38 or a 357 duty revolver, but I'm not sure which. It was many years since I heard him tell this story. These are quite powerful and easily make enough noise to cause your ears to ring for a day or more after firing them without wearing hearing protection. Despite the pistol being within his visual cone of focus and the fact that it was dark out, he still didn't see the muzzle flash. The lack of sense of touch kept him from feeling the kick of the gun in his hands when it went off. This is how great the distortion of your senses can be. If you've ever fired a pistol like this, you'll know how much it would take to shut off all those senses down to the point where you don't see, hear, or feel the gun going off in your hand. Adrenaline has some severe downsides, but the advantages are pretty remarkable as well. Most people know the added strength that adrenaline gives you. We've all heard the stories of mothers lifting cars off of their children and such. The thing is, does this additional strength help your Aikido technique? It might, but being able to move to the greatest leverage position possible is Aikido's specialty, and not needing to use excessive strength. When adrenaline dumps into your system, you will apply greater strength whether you like it or not. Probably the best advantage of adrenaline is how it speeds up the perception, which is that time appears to slow down. Anyone who has been in a car accident has probably experienced when a few seconds passing feels like minutes. In a fight, this is invaluable, and there is no way to simulate this in training. 
there's one other advantage to adrenaline, and I think this affects every martial art. That is the limitation of accomplishing complex tasks. Complex tasks under extreme stress can be utterly impossible to accomplish. There are many accounts of people being found dead in burning buildings when the only thing between them and the outside was a single unlocked door. This often baffled fire professionals, who just could not piece together why someone who was at the door did not just open it to escape. It happened often enough that it had to be investigated. It was discovered that the extreme fear and stress made accomplishing even simple tasks difficult. The way this was described was that the brain breaks every task down into what they call pips. Reaching for the doorknob would be one pip. Turning the doorknob would be one pip. Pulling or pushing the door would be one pip. If you got it wrong, it would be another pip to change the push to a pull, or vice versa. Under extreme stress, the brain could be limited to tasks of two to five pips only. Anything more complex would be impossible to do. This was the explanation why fully capable people died without being able to open a simple door. It was this discovery which led to the development and implementation of fire doors which have a simple push bar to open them. Pushing the bar is one pip and can be executed successfully by someone in a panic, where operating a doorknob might be too much. In our normal mindset, or even in a slightly excited one, operating a doorknob is so easy that one would think it would be little more than a reflex. Extreme stress or fear can be that limiting to even this simple task. Now think of how most Aikido techniques compare to opening an unlocked door. What do you think your chances of success are if you're in a panicked state? Are you confident the techniques you train are ones you could count on when your body starts limiting your ability to touch, feel, see, hear, think, and execute complex movements? Here is where we come to the boil down point of this podcast. How does the effects of adrenaline when we are under stress affect our technique? Isn't it a problem if the techniques we train are too complicated or intricate to be executed properly under the effects of adrenaline? We all know that Aikido techniques tend to be somewhat delicate. That is, they're pretty easy to screw up. If you screw up a technique, will it still work? These questions made me re-examine all the Aikido techniques I learned. I started to look at them from a viability standpoint, of which ones I felt were the most reliable and effective with the fewest motions. Some held up well, but I felt many were just too complex and fussy to be counted on in an adrenalized state. Some Aikido techniques can be done fairly sloppy and still have a good chance of success. Others are not and must be done exactly right or they will fail completely. I also examined the outcome of what position I would be in if a technique failed. Some techniques don't leave you in too bad of a position if they fail, but others leave you in a really bad spot. These are high-risk techniques and are not good choices for real violence. They're fun to practice in a dojo, but should not be relied on when your safety is on the line. That brought me to further question my training. If it is true that you perform how you train, how much training do you want to do where you are reinforcing movements and habits you would not want to use in a real situation? For me, the answer was none at all. I still train in those things from time to time, but I feel it's more productive to spend the bulk of my training time on good habits and movements that I want to rely on when it matters. We are all free to choose exactly how we want to train, and I'm just sharing my preference. I still love the long flowing techniques Aikido is known for. They are a blast to practice and fun to be thrown from. Working on them feels like playtime, and who doesn't love playing around? I certainly do. Playing around like this does give you the feel of manipulating a body and builds your own movement and coordination. It can also build in you the habit of playing with your food. 
which can be a big mistake when you need to end violence instantly. I would never end the practice of playing like this, but I think keeping the main focus on the simple, straightforward, and high percentage techniques is the best training base to work from. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.